You're listening to the Midtown Church Sermon Podcast. Midtown Church is a family loved and served by God, compelled to love and serve each other and Austin with God. Learn more at midtownaustin.org. It's great to be with y'all today, uh, Midtown Church. And friends, if you're visiting for the very first time or you're newer to our church, we just want you to know we're so glad that you're with us, whether that's, again, Zoom or, or here in person. But, man, what a, uh, what a week we've had, right? It's been a long week. I can't believe last Sunday was Valentine's. Like, it feels like that was a month ago. I mean, it's been a long week. It's been a hard week week on many of us, and, uh, but I just want you guys to know that like, I stand here today really encouraged, and I'm really encouraged because uh, of what I, how I saw uh, y'all loving each other this week. I often uh, say that uh, one of the best things about being a pastor is that I get a bird's eye view of what's kind of going on in the life of our church as a whole, and I'll tell you, friends, uh, the view was really good this week. It was really good. Like just the way that y'all uh, met each other's needs. I, I was joking with Krista earlier in the week. I said I felt like a part of my job had, had become uh, operating as an emergency call center. Because we, you know, we sent out the text and the email about, hey, if you need help, let us know. And we started getting a, a lot of people responding to that because we were in dire situations without power and water and all the stuff that we know we all face this week. And so things, people were, many of y'all were in really hard situations. But at the same time, man, I was so encouraged that we had a, not only a lot of people reach out to say, I need help, but we had even more people in our church reach out and said, I want to help. And like we were able to connect y'all with one another, and we had, I mean, so many, like I could just tell story after story after story, but stories would include things like y'all hosting each other in your homes, open up your homes to one another. Many of you had each other into your homes or invited other Bindal people to stay with you or neighbors to stay with you, friends to stay with you. It's so awesome. Many of y'all braved the roads to deliver water or get food, home-cooked meals, hot meals to people. Uh, We had people offering to put each other up in hotels and pay for that. We had, I mean, it's just, I could go on and on and on, like I said, but it was really, really encouraging, especially in light of our 21-day fast, right? And if you're visiting with us, you might not know this, but we're in the middle of a 21-day fast. It started on February 8th. We'll wrap up on February 28th, a week from now. And uh, in this fast, we've got, we're really praying into our church focus for the year, which is that we would experience God's love and extend God's love. And each week of the fast, there's a different focus tied to that. So week one is experiencing God's love. Week two, last week, was all about extending God's love to each other. And again, just so encouraged whenever we are reading our devotionals. We got our 21-day devotion. We're reading those devotions day after day. Did y'all feel this? Like you read these devotionals about loving each other, how important that is, and how we are to love each other as a church, and then you start seeing it, and you're hearing the stories, and people are really doing it. It's like, man, this is how it should be. Like we read the word, and we put it into practice, and like it's so fun when that's happening. Again, it was so extremely encouraging. It was a great week. So we want you to know that we know that many of us are still in very hard situations right now, and we want to continue loving and serving each other. And we ask that you please don't hesitate. If you're in a difficult situation, please don't hesitate to reach out for help. Give us the opportunity to show you Christ's love, that we care about you, all right? So please, please, let's keep loving and serving each other. But today, 
I'm going to preach on what we are going to turn our attention to in our fast to this coming week, which is that we would love and serve our city. It's extending God's love to Austin. And uh, to focus on that, because this is, you know, clearly very timely message in the providence of God, because we know there's going to be lots of opportunities to serve Austin this week in light of the winter storm. To get us to think about this, what I wanted to do is just kind of you know, play with an idea, which it would be, okay, what, what would Jesus do if he came to Austin? Like, how, what kind of impact would Jesus have if he had come to Austin, or if he came to Austin this week, what, what, what would happen? What, what would he do? All right, and so the, take that idea and play with it. We're going to look in Matthew 9, the very end of that chapter, 35 through 38, because in this section, we see this kind of summary part of Jesus's, you know, aspect of Jesus' ministry. Like, there's just a couple of verses here that really are a summary of what Jesus' ministry looked like for a period of time. And in it, it talks about what Jesus would do when he would come to a city, all right? And so here's what it says. Matthew 9, starting in verse 35, says, Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every affliction. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. See, these verses uh, capture Jesus' pattern when he would enter a city. And I just think, you know, again, I'm kind of having some fun with this, but I don't think it's too much of a stretch to think that what Jesus would do when he came to a city then, he would probably do something very similar if he came to our city now because Jesus is God, and he's, that means he's unchanging. So he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So let's, let's just kind of play with this. Like, if, what would Jesus do if he came to Austin? Well, from this passage, I think we can see that there are at least three beautiful things that he would do. And the first thing being that he would see people. That if Jesus came to Austin, he would see the people here. That specifically, he would see their needs. I mean, look again at verse 36, right? It says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Why? Because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Now, as y'all probably know, right, this wasn't originally written in English. It was originally written in Greek. And the uh, Greek words that are translated here as harassed and helpless, uh, they carried with them the meaning of being troubled or beaten down or weary. And then all these words were were used to describe to describe uh, people's not only emotional state or physical state, but also their spiritual state. But in really, those words capture all of those, physical, emotional, and spiritual. And then that last statement, like sheep without a shepherd, this is a common metaphor th- used throughout Scripture to speak about where people's, uh, how people were separated uh, from God. Think about Isaiah 53, 6. It says this, We all, like sheep, have gone astray, each of us have turned to our own way. And when Jesus came to a city, he would see all of that. And he would see the crowds, but he wouldn't see them as a soulless mass. No, he would truly see them, each and every person within them. And he would see their physical and their emotional and their spiritual needs. But that's not all he would do. 
Not only would he see them when he came to a city, but he, he would also feel people's needs. He'd see people's needs and he'd feel people's needs. And this is what's certainly captured when it says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them. See, our English word compassion comes from the Latin word that, that uh, literally means to suffer with. And the, in the Greek language, the word that we translate here, compassion, emphasizes the depth of emotion one would feel on behalf of another. See, for the Greek word for compassion means to be moved from the gut. Moved from the gut with pity or sorrow on someone else's behalf. And see, it's a word that captures what we feel when we say, Man, I, uh, I just feel sick to my stomach when I think about what that person's going through. Because that's what Jesus would do when he came to a city. He would see the crowds, he'd see their needs, and then he'd feel their needs. Sick to his stomach, moved in the gut level for what he saw. See, he wasn't, uh, he wasn't bothered by the crowds. The people swarming to him didn't put him out. They weren't a, a pester. They, they didn't, like, <laughs> and when he saw them, he didn't respond with judging them. I mean, there was no sense of what Jesus, when he saw their needs, he's like, oh, look what you, you know, stupid sheep, gone your own way. You know, you brought this on yourself. No, that wasn't his attitude. He wasn't judgmental. Now, what he did is that he felt it with them. On the gut level, he had compassion on them. And that compassion would lead him to action. See, Justin, uh, our associate pastor, this past December gave an incredible message on, on, the, on, how, on the compassion of Jesus. And one of the things that Justin was teaching was that how compassion in the Bible, biblical compassion, is always linked to action. So true compassion is not just a gut-level sorrow that you feel on another's behalf. It's actually a gut-level sorrow that you feel on another's behalf that causes you to act on their behalf, right? So you don't have true biblical compassion without action, which is why the third thing that Jesus would do if he came to Austin is that he would see the crowds, see their needs, he'd feel their needs, and then he would meet their needs, which is what we see Jesus doing in verse 35, right? When Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every affliction. Then, in other words, Jesus uh, moved with compassion, would proclaim the gospel, meaning the, the good news of the kingdom, in order to meet people's spiritual needs because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So Jesus shows up as the good shepherd. Think about Luke 15, for those familiar with that passage, with, with, the she, you know, say, with, with Jesus telling the parable about lost sheep. He says, the shepherd's going to go look for the sheep. Well, here's Jesus. That's the true shepherd looking for the lost sheep. He, he's out proclaiming to them the good news, the gospel of the kingdom. Say, come back to me. Turn back to me. I'm inviting you to me. He's out to meet their spiritual needs, but not just to meet their spiritual needs, but also to meet their physical and emotional needs. And so he's healing every disease and every affliction. See, Jesus didn't just care about people's spiritual state. He also cared about their physical state. But Jesus didn't just care about people's physical state. He also cared about their spiritual state. That he moved by compassion 
met their needs. Now, in light of that, wouldn't it be awesome if Jesus came to Austin? Like how, how much would our city benefit from Jesus being here and our people, the people of our city that we love, knowing that they are seen by God? Knowing that they're not overlooked, that they're, that they don't, knowing that they matter, not, not worrying about them being, you know, just pe- God being oblivious to them, but knowing that they're seen by God. How good would that be for our city? Not only that, but that the, the people here would know that God cared for them, had compassion on them, that wasn't judging them, but, but was feeling their pain with them, that he loved them to that degree. How good would that be for the people of our city? How good would it be, Jesus here meeting their needs? Physical, emotional, spiritual needs. How much joy would there be in our city if Jesus was here? Sometimes people call this uh, a Jesus juke. That's what I'm about to do to all of us this morning. But 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27 says this. Now, you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is part of it. Now, you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is part of it. You see, what God tells us in his word, church family, is that the church is the manifest Christ manifest body on earth. Then in Ephesians 1, 22 and 23, to Ephesians 4, 15 and 16 tells us that Jesus is the head of the church and that we are his body and that we are functioning or we are to function as the physical representations of Christ to the world. That the church is the living organism which Christ uniquely and tangibly extends his life, his life and his light and his love to the world, and to our city today. Which means Midtown family. Because we are here, and because the other churches in Austin are here in Austin, it means that Jesus is here in Austin in a uniquely powerful and tangible way. He wants to do what he likes to do in a city. He wants to do what he does when he comes to a city. He wants to do that through us. And the question is, is will we allow him? Will we participate? Will we join him? Will we allow him to move through us to do what he loves to do when he comes to a city? Because you are the body of Christ. And each one of you is a part of it. Guys, that's who we are. It's who we are. It's an identity. The question is, will we live in light of who we are? See, if we do, it's going to be really great news for our city. As Jesus' body, our city will only uniquely and powerfully experience his manifest presence if we live in light of who we are. But what does that actually look like? Well, it's the second part of this message. Okay, let's get into that. So if we're going to do this, then it means that we must first see people with Jesus' eyes. Sticking with the whole body kind of metaphor here. 
This is what Scripture says we are, the body of Christ. So we're going to be the body of Christ. We've got to see people with Jesus' eyes. And that, at least, at minimum, involves two things, okay? The first thing that that involves is that we, we have to be with people. That we have to be with people. Like, don't, don't miss the significance of the beginning of verse 35, right? Where it says that Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages. Like, Jesus saw the crowds. He saw the people. He saw their needs because he went to them. Because he was with them. Which means that we, as his body, must also be with people to the degree that it enables us to see their needs. And Krista and I, uh, we rent a house in Rosedale. And uh, when our, I think it's pretty safe to say that uh, most of our neighbors all do uh, fairly well financially. And when we moved onto that street uh, five years ago, it just... <laughs> We were a little intimidated. We were like, man, like, do, do, do the people here really need to be served? And their needs, they just weren't obvious to us. Until we started to get to know them. And it turns out they're just like all of us. Everyone has needs. But we weren't able to see those needs until we were actually with them built strong relationships with them, actually genuinely became their friends. And when we were their friends, having been with them a long time, we found that they quickly turned to us when they ran into some tough stuff. We've had neighbors come to us to, to open up about marriage struggles and parenting struggles. When one of our neighbors miscarried, first person she called was Krista. When... Uh, one of our neighbors' mom passed away with COVID this last year. Uh, he wanted time to hang out with me and him. And as we built these friendships, then it was by being with them that we could actually begin to see their needs, both physically and emotionally and also spiritually. But I couldn't see their needs until I was with them. Jesus went to the towns and villages. He went to the people. He, the really big picture, he left heaven to come to be with us. And in doing so, he saw our needs. Guys, if we're the body of Christ, we have to go be with people. If you aren't aware of the needs of your coworkers, your neighbors, your classmates, your roommates, your friends, like... <laughs> then that should tip you off that maybe you haven't actually built enough of a relationship with them. Because once you know them well, you'll know their needs. Once you're with them to that degree, you'll be able to see their needs. You've got to first be with them. That's the first way. that If we're going to be the body of Christ and also we've got to see people with their eyes, to see them with Jesus' eyes, we have to be with them. But the other part about seeing people with Jesus' eyes is that you have to see them as Jesus sees them. And what I mean by that is that you, you don't just uh, see their uh, physical needs or their emotional needs, but you also see their spiritual needs. You see their needs as a whole person, all right? And Jesus, like when he saw the crowds, he saw that they were harassed and helpless, which really primarily would speak to their emotional state or physical state, but also that they're sheep without, like sheep without a shepherd to their spiritual state. And friends, I, I'm afraid, and I do this at times, and so I'm not like just out to shake my finger at, at you, not at all. 
But like, we're the body of Christ. And as the body of Christ, we've got to see people as Jesus sees them. And I'm afraid that at times, we just really downplay people's spiritual needs. Like, let's not disagree with Jesus. People, yes, have physical needs and emotional needs, and those matter. But they also have spiritual needs. Are we seeing them like Jesus sees them? We got to see people with Jesus' eyes. Think about uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16, where Apostle Paul writes, From now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. From now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view, meaning we don't just view people through the lens of the temporal lens, that this life is all there is. The passage goes on to say that we are Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us for people to be reconciled to God through Christ. And friends, when we have to see that people have spiritual, along with physical, emotional needs, so that we would meet their needs, as God has called us to do. Okay. Second thing, if our city is to know the joy and love of Jesus, his body, us, we must not only see people with his eyes, but we must fill people's needs with Jesus' heart. See, for, apart from filling their needs, we will rarely go out of our way to meet their needs. Which is why the compassionate heart of Jesus must drive us to the point that we are moved to act. Now, this, this is one I really struggle with. I think maybe we all do because feeling people's needs like Jesus did is hard for us. One, because we're, we're, we're sinners. And one of the things that sin does is that it dumbs down our compassion. Because Jesus is perfectly compassionate. So when he saw someone, there was no admixture of, well, like maybe they did something, that, or maybe like I, you know, they probably deserve, or like, you no, know, he just felt it for them. We, we see things and we just, sin can dumb down our own compassion. We, we, we should recognize that, friends. We should confess that. We're not moved by what our city has been going through this week. Let, let that tip you off that may, maybe my heart's a little cold. And we could ask Jesus to give us his heart of compassion more fully. But the other reason why it's just hard to be compassionate is because we are human. And in being human, we, I don't think that we were ever meant to be uh, perhaps as privy to all of the pain in the world that we are now privy to through social media and constant news access. And we're just inundated with all of the pain, story after story after story, especially from a week like this. And it's just like overwhelming, and it, it can paralyze you, and it can deaden you, it can numb you. I mean, I feel that. So here's what I want to encourage you to do. I want to encourage you to give time to think about one, one person or perhaps one set of circumstances, one place that you'd like to serve. This is what Justin challenged us to do back in December. I'm coming back to it now just to think about one thing that stirs you. Did you feel Jesus' compassion for that one person, for, for that one place? And act on that. Because you can't do it all. But we are the body of Christ. And so we together, along with the church, rest of the church in Austin, we can have a giant impact, but each one of you is part of it, so find your part in it and act on that. 
And let me just say, again, this goes back to the seeing things, because I'll tell you what helps me actually begin to really be in tune with Jesus' compassion is whenever it's not hypothetical and it's not just mass numbers, but when it's my parents who were without power for, you know, a long time this week. (laughs) Or when it's my neighbor whose pipes bust. When it's personal, when it's someone that I have seen and I care about, then when I hear they're in trouble, compassion does swell within me. That's why, again, you have to see people first. You have to be with them first and see them as Jesus sees them and then feel what he feels for them. And when we do that as a body of Christ, then it will move us to act, which is the last part. Not only do we need to fill people's needs with Jesus' heart, but we also need to meet Jesus, uh, meet people's needs with Jesus' hands and mouth. With his hands and mouth. What I mean by that is like when Jesus shows up, he, he's, he's proclaiming the good news of the gospel. Inviting people into the kingdom. The lost sheep to come home. And he's out healing people's diseases and afflictions. We gotta do that both. We gotta be Jesus' mouth that will be his hands. We've got to get involved. Um, again, all of these build on each other, friends. You've got to see people first, and you've got to feel for them. Like I think about my son, Camp. We're doing this, we're doing this fast, right? And um, asked for his permission to share this. So, um, But like he, uh, we were talking about it as we started the fast and uh, or right before we started fasting, he said, Dad, I want to fast. I said, really? And like, we were su- kind of surprised by his desire to do that because I didn't ever want to fast when I was in sixth grade. So he's way more spiritual than I am already. And, uh, and so he said, but I want to fast. And I said, that's awesome, man. What do you, what do you want to fast for? Like, what do you want to pray for? And he said, well, there's one thing I, I really want to uh, use the fast to pray for. And I said, well, what is it? And he just started to cry. It caught me off guard because we were just like having a fun conversation and all of a sudden he breaks down. He's, he's really weeping. I said, well, can, can you tell me why, why, why you're crying? And after a little while, through tears, he, he said, well, I want to I use the fast to pray more regularly for my friend, I won't say his name, but for my friend who doesn't know Jesus. I really want him in to know and love Jesus. He's crying for his friend. And I, as being his dad, like I want to console him and just say, it's okay, man, don't, like, you don't need to be that upset. And then I thought, before I said that, I thought, no. My son's heart is a lot more like Christ than mine is oftentimes for my friends that don't know Jesus. Yes, we need Jesus' compassionate heart to swell within us that will move us to act, to pray. is a huge part of action. We're going to get to that in a second. And then to actually open our mouth, get our hands dirty, to meet people's needs with Jesus' mouth and his hands. Because if we do this as the body of Christ, there will be much rejoicing in our city. 
And when the body of Christ loves and serves Austin, it's a beautiful and powerful thing. It's what God envisioned when he created the church. God wants to extend his love through us to the city of Austin. And man, we have so many opportunities to do that, especially this week, right? Because people's needs are perhaps more obvious now than before. And without water or without ability to, 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 you know, whatever it might be. I mean, I don't even know what this week's going to (laughs) bring. But if there's ramifications from last week, there's still lots of opportunities to serve. And so let's get involved and let's serve. So here's what I want to ask you is, will you commit to do that? The church family, body of Christ. This week, will you commit to, and let's just put it at a level of just saying one person. Will you commit to one person, to serve one person in our city this week? Now, it can be a lot more than that, but sometimes it's helpful just to get started. Will you commit to serve at least one in our city this week? Because you're the body of Christ, and each one of you is part of it. And guys, when you are serving someone, if they ask you why you're doing that, can I just, can I just encourage you to do something? If they ask you why you're doing that, if you're given an opportunity to explain why you're serving, can I just encourage you not, not to say something like, well, it's just, it's just because there's so much need and we, I wanted to help. Though that might be true, is use that as an opportunity to not just point to your goodness, but to Jesus. And perhaps you could say something like this, well, I'm, I'm doing this because if Jesus was here, this is what he would do. Or I'm doing this because, well, I'm a Jesus follower and this is what he would do. Or I'm doing this because when I was in need, Jesus served me. And now I want to serve others. Because use it as an opportunity to actually point people to Jesus. We're the body of Christ. He's actually the one that can meet their greatest needs. He wants to meet them through you. But you need to actually point them back to him too. So let's do that. This week, let's serve Austin. It will be so good for our city. You with me? Can you commit to do that? Awesome. Let's go. But before we go, I got one more thing. (laughs) And that is that this passage, it ends with a statement from Jesus. And here's what it ends with. He says in verse 37, Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out more laborers into his harvest. Now, I know that we're not all as agriculturally minded as the people he was speaking to at that day and age, so a little bit of the power of this might be lost on us. So let me put this in our vernacular, right? In other words, Jesus sees the crowds here, and he feels incredible compassion for them, and so he turns to his followers and he says, hey, there's a lot of important, significant work to be done, and there are not enough people doing it. And so he says, pray. Pray earnestly. Pray earnestly to God that he will send out more laborers to do his eternally significant work. Pray for more laborers who will see, feel, and meet people's 
needs in the name of Jesus Christ. And friends, during this last week of our fast, that's what we're inviting you to do. So join us in praying for that. That we would pray that we, as a body of Christ, as along with the other churches in Austin, would extend God's love to our city and that God would move more workers, laborers into our city to see, to feel, to meet people's needs. Will you pray with us this week? Will you fast and pray with us this week? If you haven't been fasting this whole time so far, it's okay. We've still got a whole week, and this would be a great way to begin loving and serving our city. Will you join us in that? I hope you will. Let's begin right now by praying. Heavenly Father, we pray that you, the Lord of the harvest, would send out more workers into your harvest field. That you would send more laborers into Austin who will, as the body of Christ, see people's needs with your eyes, Jesus. Fill people's needs with your heart be moved to act by demonstrating and declaring the gospel, by serving and by sharing, God, that you would use us to point people to Jesus and to help people know how much you love them. God, I know our city is in a tough spot right now. God, you're here. We're your body. Move us to act on your behalf for the joy of our city. And God, we pray that many of our neighbors and friends and co-workers and classmates would actually not only experience your love through us, but they would come to believe that you love them. And they would put their faith in Christ. And they would be a part of the answer to prayer of sending more labors into your harvest field. God, use us for your glory. In Christ's name we pray. Thank you for listening to the Midtown Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this ministry has blessed you. If you would like to support this ministry, you can donate at midtownaustin.org.